0: Welcome to episode 272 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Welcome back, Brian.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: I uh, held down the fort. I hope to never have to do it by myself again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had to to bow out kind of last minute last week and left Alex in the lurch.
0: Oh, uh, it was fine. Thank
1: you for taking care of it.
0: It was fine. It was not the worst thing I've ever had to edit. Um, it's just less interesting when it's just my voice. That's, that's all it comes down to for me. I get it. I get it. I have to hear my voice all the time though. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I talk
1: to myself all day, all day anyway, because I work from home. So yeah.
0: Uh, Uh, let's dig into the comics. Let's Let's do do it. Action Comics 2021 annual written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Sia Ohm. And Scott Godleski, Colors by Hi-Fi, and Letters by Dave Sharp. This is our return to the future, but less far in the future that we saw in the House of L Future State one-shot. Yeah. Uh this is framed by a storyteller on Warworld, who seems to have knowledge of this future, telling the story of a wedding and the uh black sheep of the L family showing up, crashing it and trapping everyone in the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Wow. Um Yeah, he he, he
1: turned out to be not such a good guy,
0: huh? Yeah. Um Pyrrhos, who I think we learned in the future state issue is the son of Cersei and Superman or something like that.
1: I believe that's correct. Hence the magic using Yeah. It. Yeah.
0: Um I really really like this future like big super family setting. It is probably the
1: best like super family thing that has ever existed. I mean, you know, there's you go back way back to like the 70s with the Superman family where they had the big hundred page books and everything and like but like this is I, I just love the dynamic among them. Right? And the people that are included as part of like it's just it's just all good.
0: I yeah, like, like- They all have their specializations and it has this sort of I don't mean this in like the contemporary, wow, that's so cool sense, but like sort of the classical epic feel. Like it's it's in the way that like an epic poem is the story of a person's life or family's life and like that Mm -hmm. progression. This has that kind of vibe to it. I like seeing, especially seeing at different points in time yeah this family and like the changing dynamics and the changing roles within the family this one includes kara who to my to my recollection, was not in the future state issue.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it was Philip Kennedy Johnson or who it was, but whoever came up with the idea of, oh, hey, you know, um, the symbol for the House of L means hope. How the hell is not one of them a blue lantern? <laughs> whoever made that realization, right? I
0: now? think that one, I think that at some level goes all the way back to Blackest Night. I think, I think Superman was a blue lantern in Blackest okay. Night. Yeah, with Jeff
1: Johns. Yeah.
0: Ah. Yeah. Uh... Uh,
1: yes. But yeah, uh, all of it. It's all. It's also good, and I like how you have not just not just like their different specialty, but you have different people in the family at different stages of their life. Right.
0: You do, and like because this is a wedding context, you also have a person who is not a member of the family joining it, and like the idea that the house of L welcomes all, and at the same yeah. time, like we want you to kind of abide by truth and justice and all the principles that matter to us. Like, these are important to us, and we want you to be a part of that. Like, it makes sense, right?
1: And and I think what it is, like, as you were talking, it occurred to me, I think what it is, it's dynamic, right? It's not like this unchanging like you see oh uh, there's a new person coming into the family they're changing we see um we see Brandon Kent retire from being Superman or Brandon L I guess yeah right retire from being super like so there's you get the feeling that it is this ongoing story it's not what tends to happen in comics with that locked in stasis
0: and stasis I think in the same like the same way Seeing this family become this agglomeration of natives of Warworld to the extent that there are any natives of Warworld, like they're all kidnapped, right. imprisoned peoples. Uh, but
1: well, people who I mean, who at this point are David, from Warworld. I mean, some of them are, I guess you would say, native now because they were born there. Sure. So,
0: yeah. Um, but seeing members of uh, the Tamaranian royal family, or Tamaranians at least, represented. Like, it ties, it makes it, in that same way that it makes it feel like this constantly changing thing, it also makes it feel like this big part of the universe, and not just yes. Earth. Yep. Uh, in the same way that, like, you're seeing kind of the same mix of peoples that you see in, uh, in the United Planets, right? The same sort of leadership that you get there becomes a part of Superman and his legacy. Yeah,
1: what I am curious about, I am curious about the uh, the House of Zod and where they fit into this future.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because we've seen we've seen teases in Bindu's writing mm-hmm. of the houses of L and Zod joining, right? And even in the last like issue or a couple of issues of Legion of Superheroes, we see a thousand years from now those two houses are a single house. Yeah, I think there's room for that to still be true inside of this. We just haven't had the direct acknowledgement. And I think... Oh, agreed. agreed. I think we're probably going to keep getting this story in this way, where like, we started in the far future, and it gets a little closer to now, and a little closer to now, and I bet it kind of meets up almost like a countdown when we start to see like Superman disappear into limbo, kidnapped by Cersei, or whatever. Right. Whatever that beat that was hinted at in House of L is. Yeah. I have I have a theory before Look, I'm ready to okay. move on. All right. The the storyteller on World Byla. Yes. I think that's Pyrrhos. I think Pyrrhos is doing this like Doctor Who living in the wrong direction thing or just at some point gets thrown back in time. And like has mellowed out and is telling these stories. There are design elements of his costume that and are reminiscent hair, of and, and his hair that yeah. are reminiscent of Pyrrhus's armor, and like he yeah. looks like an older Pyrrhus.
1: I I agree, and the um the I, I think there's a very there's a very key thing with her Superman toy, mm-hmm. right? where Pyrrhus very specifically, as Pyrrhus calls it out, right, when he's telling the story, and then there's the obviously the significance of him, you know, giving it back to her. Yeah. Like, I, it just, it seems like too much attention was called to it to, if, you, if you're if you thinking in that direction, right? Right. Yeah.
0: Which I think is cool, because it's also like a very, it's a very Superman sort of, of thesis at that point. It's, okay, here is... Kind of the big bad, one of the big bads of sort of our family history. Mm -hmm. And he's already mellowed out and become one of the good guys in the present before we meet him in the future. Yeah. And like that that sort of, well, yeah, of course there's reason for hope. See how it can work out. Idea Mm -hmm. is so Superman. It's also very The Flash this week. It it is very The Flash this week. We have The Flash 2021 annual, written by Jeremy Adams, with art by Fernando Passerin and Brandon Peterson, colors by Hi-Fi and Michael Atiyah, and letters by Steve Wands. I have never, never, ever been happier for a retcon.
1: Okay, so I was gonna ask you, because essentially uh, hands down, and I don't know if in some aspect, this was intended from the beginning, or if...
0: I if, don't think so.
1: You you think it was just a complete retcon of...
0: I think this was a complete retcon, and here's why I say that. I okay. think if this were intended from the beginning, we never would have had Flash Forward. Okay, maybe so. Yeah. I think Flash Forward maybe was planned, maybe. But I think if this were part of the plan... We would not have had kind of that sidetrack of Wally getting the Mobius chair and the powers of Dr. Manhattan and all of those things we've seen him go through. Mm -hmm. I think that this was someone stepping back and saying, "Okay, we have talked about, like, how can we bring him back to being a hero? But we haven't addressed at all, like, would he even want to be? Right, And I think that's just a very different editorial style since we are under a different editorial regime than when all of Heroes in Crisis and everything else I just named happened. Mm-hmm. That I think it's probably just a difference in approach to storytelling and prioritizing the beats and saying, OK, now let's let's take a step back and not make this about cosmic perception and traveling the multiverse let's make this about that moment and find a way to let wally forgive himself
1: and i'll be honest i think that that's probably the biggest part of that that was and and wally's story in general is the inconsistency of it like there never seems to be a okay this is what we're going to do with him and this is what happened. Like, it always just seems like every story that, that gets to him and does it just makes up what they're they want kind of well, on the fly. And
0: I think part of it is it's pretty well documented that Dan DiDio is not a big fan of sidekick characters operating at the same level right. as the, the sort of A listers. Yeah, right, yeah. And I think that his departure at the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. is what paved the road for this. Uh, I will also say that James Tynan's newsletter made a reference to the the 5G plan that was DiDio's brainchild uh, that wound up basically getting scrapped and pe- parts and pieces became future state. But... uh oh, the
1: generations?
0: Thing. Yeah. Yeah. The... Acknowledgement Tynan made was in the context that he did not want to stay on Batman into the 5G era mm-hmm. because the plan was editorial would give writers stories to write and oh not let no. writers write them, which sounded very New 52, oh no. which makes me think that, like, one, we dodged a bullet. Uh, I, I don't think there's any other way to look at that. I think we really dodged yeah. a bullet. But two, I think the idea that a story like this Flash Annual and this whole first Flash arc could have happened a year ago is probably highly unlikely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you you get into that literally editorial giving you the stories to write, right, that's a real different thing than what we get with, like, let's say, Krakoa right now. right? Right. Where all the writers are talking together and say, okay, yeah, like, this is the direction we want to move all of this in. So is that, you know, and get everybody on board with that. Can you write stories that, that lead in this, you know, that lead to this? Okay. And they all agree, you know, right? Because they're all part of it.
0: And the reason That's
1: I... It's a real different thing.
0: The reason yeah. I invoke the New 52 as well, just to give that a yeah. little context. Yeah. And remember, I like a lot of the New 52 stuff. It's what there got me good into good stories comments. in there. Yeah. But Gail Simone uh basically started a twitter q and a a couple of weeks ago where she said okay ask me whatever you want about new 52 and i will give you my honest answers and that idea of like editorial handing down ideas kind of sounds a lot like what she describes in ways one of the big things she talks about in her answers is writers really weren't allowed to talk to each other and plan story ideas together and that really the first and for a while only place that was happening was in and around Batman, because basically Scott Snyder ignored that rule and reached out to everyone.
1: Oh my god, I wonder why that was one of the good books.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which also makes, like, I imagine the way it floats around the internet uh, is probably exaggerated, but does make me believe there's probably some truth to the rumors that Scott Snyder pushed back against 5G hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. all right but regardless yeah. so let's get to let's get back to the flash annual back here. to
0: the flash uh <laughs>
1: we took a uh we took a speed force side trip we did
0: we... so uh this is as i i kind of alluded to the capstone mm-hmm. to this first arc of wally's return as the flash and if you did not uh glean this from our talking around it, this sees wally Return to the moment of what up until this issue we had been led to believe was him killing a bunch of superheroes at right. Sanctuary during Heroes yeah. in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis, right? And this offers, I think, a a really elegant, to the extent that any retcon this big is ever going to be elegant, but I think agreed, agreed, a really elegant way to let him off the hook for that in a way that he needed to be let off the hook for that. S-
1: yeah, because essentially what it says is yes, you were you were the conduit, right? You were the cause in that you were there and it happened through you. But like it wasn't it it wasn't your agency. It wasn't a choice that you made, it was something that happened.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's partly the Speed Force trying to protect itself, and it's partly the result of trying to expel the threat that has lodged itself in the Speed Force that this whole arc has been about. Yes, And, like, seeing this become the, the sort of last beat of that idea of, like, there is something in the Speed Force causing problems, and it's going through, like, every speedster it possibly can try to go through to expel that. Like it makes sense why okay finally it would land on Wally, especially when Wally's like the one who the Speed Force picks to pull into it to fight it.
1: Right. Um Yeah, Wally has always had kind of the strongest natural connection to the Speed Force.
0: And I also think it's really smart to make Roy an active part of this story.
1: I I was gonna make that same comment. I'm so happy that they gave him um you know some autonomy in this and and agency in making choices that were part of this
0: yeah. I mean, and I mean what he said what he says is ultimately right, like if the roles were reversed, Wally would do the same thing Roy does in this and not want Roy to live with guilt about it right i mean essentially, Roy gets to choose to sacrifice himself here, mm-hmm, which. If you're reading Infinite Frontier, you know it works out. Well, I mean... To some degree. It, 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 it should, <laughs> we'll, we'll, it'll it, Jury's still out on that one. We'll see. It'll work out in the long run. I mean, that's comics, though, right? It'll work yeah, out yeah, in the long yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. Unless Peter Parker loves you, it will work out in the long <laughs> run. <laughs> Which is why the DC heroes
1: are always so much safer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, unless your name is Ben or Gwyn, you're okay. Oh, Wow. Ouch. Uh, I also think even just aside from the retcon this issue lands really well. I think even if you haven't if you haven't read Heroes in Crisis, I think you get the gist of what you need to know about the moment he returns to here but I think overall by itself this works right like it's a good it's a good turning of the page for Wally it makes it make complete sense why he would decide no I am going to stay in the suit and remain the flash. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need heroes in crisis for this to work. I think if you've been uh, waiting th- th- to undo that, this finally is the last nail in that coffin. Uh, I I think uh, I think
1: it was something that had to get resolved though before he could move forward. Absolutely. And in that sense, it, I, I think it was. I think you did have to have it yeah. because it existed. You had to have you had to have it to to, to move on. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, you know how happy I am that in the last page we see. Uh, we get a little hint of, you know, what's coming next with
0: Heat Wave and uh Yeah
1: egg and Gold beal
0: Yes. <laughs> I love it. Infinite Frontier number two. Written by Joshua Williamson, penciled by Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, and Hermonico. With inks by Norm Ratmund, Jesus Marino and Hermonico. Colors by Romulo Fayardo Jr. and letters by Tom Napolitano. Some things happen in this book, huh? Um, you know, I I guess a couple of
1: things. Um, yeah, this is, um, like from a, from the, uh, you know, comics for Marvel and DC especially, right? You you have the, you have the, whatever the ongoing story arc for characters are, you kind of have the smaller pieces and then you have the large scale stuff. Yeah. This is the large-scale stuff.
0: And you know one thing I really like about this is it all feels like it is happening in parallel to the rest of the Infinite Frontier books, like just the main line. Yes, It's not pulling anything in. It's not tying in. It's not beating any one particular character up in a way that's immediately gonna, like, change their status quo in their book. Right. It feels like it's, okay here are six issues that are big picture for the for dc Mm -hmm. this will change all the context for everything a little bit in ways that will flow back into those books but you can read this regardless of what else you're reading and if you read this whatever else you're reading may adjust but there's not gonna be the like you have to have read infinite frontier to get it stuff that you get with big events a lot of the time at least that's a third of the or yeah a third of the way in kind of the vibe it gives me, like i don't think I don't think suddenly you're gonna be reading Batman and wondering why Thomas Wayne is hanging out in Bruce's apartment, yeah, correct exactly yeah
1: you're yeah, you're justice League is not suddenly gonna pivot, and I'll be dealing with this, right,
0: correct. yeah, um, uh, that's not to say that there aren't way there aren't elements that won't eventually show up in those books, but most of the Uh-oh. big players in this issue aren't in anything else. I mean, yeah, they they, they kind of blow things up here. There's Superman. Superman shows up here. And other than that, I don't think anyone in this book is actively in any other book.
1: No, and he really just shows up as a, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, another character that is central to this book mm-hmm. that he is just responding to. Yeah. And that's essentially, yeah.
0: And it makes sense, because it's a character who showed up in the tail end of the Bendis Superman action run. Correct. Uh, I do appreciate Chase addressing him as Super Clark. That was really funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. You know, now that everybody knows. Okay. Yes. Oh, and Batman's on literally half a page. I had forgotten Batman was even well, in there. Correct. i think is is Yeah. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. He's in there long enough for Chase to wonder... Where's Wonder Woman? Exactly.
1: Yeah, I think the only other character you could say that has been appearing anywhere else recently would be uh, Mr. Terrific.
0: Yeah. And yeah, even that's, then, that's, like, you really yeah. kind of wonder how much Strange Adventures is in continuity.
1: Correct, correct. Well, but like, and he's also in Flash. Oh, he's right in now, Flash, but I mean, yeah. True, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So. My, point, my point being is, yeah, you're right. These This is not having direct, impactful immediate consequences for
0: yeah but i like seeing thomas wayne palling around with uh calvin ellis that's that's a lot of fun it for some reason it is isn't it and i like this idea of thomas wayne relating to a superman based on his world having been destroyed
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah yeah
0: they meet magog or thomas is like i don't think there is one of you on my earth (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. We have the, the continued investigation into Jade's disappearance, which at least implies that for the time being, Alan Scott's walking away from uh, the the totality.
1: Correct. And and that Jade and the other heroes that were there are... We have reason to believe they may be still alive. Yes. I'll well, say it that way.
0: Yeah. Uh... Anytime anytime anyone takes down Vandal Savage a little bit, it always
1: brings oh, well, me joy.
0: Sure. It's just fun sure. watching him lose. Uh, we we check in with Roy and his new bling. hmm And I really like this scene of him, like, using the kind of focus he uses as an archer to sort of figure out and get the hang of this ring.
1: Yeah, there's some... Um... Let's say there's an underlying current to some of these things though that is super disturbing
0: yes, there is yes.
1: is yes
0: yeah, and that's I mean that is quickly becoming to me sort of the central mystery of this is uh what is what is dark side's involvement and in what is going on? Right, right. Um, well,
1: cause, I mean, clearly part of this started off, right, with him killing the, what was it, the Quintessence?
0: Yes, I mean? he killed off yeah. the Quintessence. If you read Secret Files, you know that he is uh, pulling the strings on Psycho Pirate. And
1: apparently more than just Psycho Pirate.
0: Yes. We now find out, yes. Um, and it seems like pulling the strings on some folks and other folks... Uh, we meet a version of Captain Adam who is basically hiding out as a refugee on Earth-Zero, who's from Mm -hmm. another Earth. And when called out on this, he essentially self-destructs to keep off of Darkseid's radar. Like, I don't... The way I read this last scene, I don't think he's being manipulated by Darkseid. I think he's afraid of.
1: That's one that I think very, very much they leave it in, in that questionable area of is this his own choice to do this or is this like a reaction that now
0: that someone has discovered he is forced to, yeah yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I we'll mean see. he has the line, he'll find out, he'll come for me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Which does make me think that like he is doing this of his own choosing. Whether or not like dark side is playing chess and expects this, that to me is the the bigger question. Yeah. Um, but that dark side, he's up to his old shenanigans.
1: He sure is, and I'm loving every minute. Dark side is that is
0: yes. Dark side indeed is. Uh,
1: I I do I do love the uh, the little you know DC's been doing this for for a little while now, where they run kind of this whatever the current theme is as the ads in the back, right? Yeah, and right now it's uh, it's you know Mister Bones looking at monitors. for kind of all of this infinite frontier stuff and, like, you know, I think it poses as mysteries
0: to be solved, right? Which, I really love this way of advertising, because... Exactly, that was my point. This could be, like, a checklist. And we kind of get that on the the fourth page of it. Mm -hmm. But it's a four-page, basically, house ad. And it starts as, here are some upcoming mysteries. Then you get the double-page spread of Bones watching these monitors. And then you get, like... Here are the books to read to get answers to all those questions. Right, right. What it reminds me of, and, like, I think it was maybe a little more holistic in this context, in, in the original context. But it reminds me of, like, Rip Hunter's board of space-time mysteries. Mm. And all these little ideas and and threats and questions that, over the course of something like 52, would get answered. Or in Infinite Crisis would get addressed. Right.
1: Well, and that's really, that's that's essentially what this whole Infinite Frontier is, specifically with Mr. Bones and his organization now, is, you know, it's the, what are the strings that are being pulled behind the scenes, right? Yeah. What's the undercurrent of this? Not not the day-to-day of what's happening, but, like, what's what's the slow burn, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's a way more interesting way of, like, marketing. To so me, too. than just being like, who's actually. I mean, okay, the Who is Red X is in and of itself so well done that I'm invested in it. But if it were not well done and just having like a Who is Red X ad, I'd be like, well,
1: okay. yeah, there's nothing wrong with those. They're just, they're exactly what they are. They're very on the nose, yeah. they don't lead to like a. They don't engage you as advertising. They just say what they are, right? This engages
0: you. This has the energy of people watching Taylor Swift music videos and saying, that clock is set to 4.20 p.m. I bet she drops a new album on April 20th. Mm -hmm. Is there any real logic there? No, but it's fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because we never... uh, We never deal with conspiracy theories no and, uh, or no. you know guesses about you know called shots or uh nothing like that here
0: wild predictions are entirely out of our milieu oh no we don't like that the six sidekicks of trigger keaton number two written by kyle starks art by chris schweitzer and coloring assists from liz trice schweitzer this book is so much fun
1: i i don't know if i have more fun reading this book or reading the uh the, what is essentially the Reddit thread? At
0: the back <laughs> <of> the... <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: we were setting oh we were setting God. out the list of books to talk about this week, and I'll be honest, yeah. I don't know that I actually have a whole lot to say about this issue beyond it's so much fun. But it's so much fun that I just wanted to mention it again and wanted to I like agreed. take a few more minutes with it just because it's it's not that it's shallow because i think there are like room i think there is a lot of room to be like oh hey is that person being suspicious maybe they're involved in trigger keaton's death or whatever yeah but it's not hanging everything on the mystery it's really just about the situations that these characters find themselves in it's about giving each character a moment to shine here or there like in this one letting uh what was it was his name ted yeah letting ted like be the driver. Yeah. Uh Ted who is the voice of basically Knight Rider. Uh but as a kid instead of as an older man. And like letting him just show off his driving skills and surprise everybody and get those reactions yeah. and get the cool like a surprisingly good vehicle chase sequence in comic form. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah,
1: yeah the, the, the the overall story kind of happens. In the background, or in spite of the fact that we just get these fun scenes, right? Yeah. Moments. Yeah. And
0: I think there's a plan there. I think we're definitely building towards things. That's not to say that it's just, you know, a loose excuse to do fun things. But it leads with the fun stuff, and that's what I like so much about it. There's so much just energy in the art and it's so well executed and so clear that it's easy to just follow it and go along for the ride In a
1: deed. okay my, my quote of the week is in here too I gotta find it real quick
0: Brian's quote of the week gotta find it Oh <laughs> that was it. so it's a
1: reddit thread so like every single one of these basically almost all devolve into insults to each other right? <laughs> and the one is the one is um, You know, somebody asked, like, this super technical question about, like, these car tires or whatever on this show, which is, you know, like the Knight Rider show, essentially. Uh, and, and the response is, it's not real. It's a TV show. You're not real. I am real. Ask your mom. <laughs> she said you were real, but not real good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Damn.
0: Uh, it's I'm, like... <laughs> I'm not totally sure that tim and meg have not had that conversation in our minds at york <laughs> discord group chat
1: oh my word i love it i love it but yeah like i said i mean that's the th- that's what this is right it's just big dumb fun yeah i love it it's great
0: i want to talk a little bit about thor number 15 all righty uh this is written by Donnie Cates. pencils are by Michelle Bandini with inks by Michelle Bandini and Elisabetta Diamico. Colors are by Matt Wilson and letters are by Joe Sabino. We've had a little bit of a break from Thor uh with Heroes Reborn and all of that. This is our first issue since the end of the Donald Blake arc. And it seems like we're really finally getting into what might be going on with Thor and his hammer. If if you remember one of the sort of long-burning threads of this this story Donny Cates is telling is the hammer is not only, like, getting heavier for Thor, but other people have been able to pick it up throughout this run. And at one point, like, he drops it down in, in Broxton and, like, people line up and just pick it up, no problem. It doesn't seem to be based on anything. And this arc is, I think, getting into that, or at least why Thor thinks that's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're reading Thor and haven't read this yet, I'd say go ahead and jump forward uh, to the next segment, which will be Excalibur. Thor believes that the Hammer's purpose is to belong to a warrior, to someone who will fight and defend Asgard and Midgard and all of the other realms tied up in Yggdrasil. And now that he's ruling Asgard, he's not a warrior anymore. He does not readily put himself out on the line. And he's having trouble controlling the hammer because of that, to the point that at one point Steve approaches him and the hammer like strikes out at Steve on its own because it reads Steve as a threat. And the issue ends with, with Thor leaving the hammer with the Avengers, leaving Mjolnir for someone else to pick up and wield. Ooh. And I don't know where this goes. I don't know, because this is this is part one of three, right? So I don't know if it's Thor eventually realizes he needs to carry the hammer anyway, if someone else is going to pick it up, if there's going to be a new Thor coming, or what what the case is going to be, right? It could really go anywhere. But I like this idea of separating Thor from the hammer, not simply based on worthiness. But simply based on like we've had a good run and we're at different places in our lives now, and we should see other people. Right, right. It, it
1: like yeah, yeah. I you belong to a warrior, and that is not who I am now. Right.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense. It's personal in a very different way, in this sort mm-hmm. of bitter sweet way. Like Thor has this great line in here about how. Steve says, well, you're the king now, and Thor says, no, I'm not, but I will live a thousand lives, and Asgard will stand beyond me, and I, I will get there. I will become a king, but I'm not this anymore. And it's so much about, like, Thor looking for his place and not knowing who he is against that backdrop. I just, I think it's really well executed, and it's a very different take on Thor than at least I've ever seen. Very cool. It's more bittersweet than sad. Yeah. Alright, on to Krakoa, starting with Excalibur number twenty two. This is written by Teeny Howard, art is by Marcus Toe, colors are by Eric Arseniega, letters are by Ariana Marr, and design is by Tom Muller. It took me a moment to uh realize that no I didn't miss an issue. Right. Mm-hmm. We are just into the thick of it.
1: We are. Uh yeah, so love still love Sheriff Whitechapel.
0: Yes, Sheriff Whitechapel is very good. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't trust Beast ever setting foot in Otherworld with any information about magic.
1: Hell no. Like, how have they not just, like, confined Beast to quarters and, like, yeah, no, you just don't get to leave Krakoa anymore. Go away.
0: I mean, we know that Dark Beast is partly Dark Beast because he gets into magic. And having seen everything he's doing in X-Force, like, the idea of him having any knowledge of the rules of magic is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah. that's the prologue. Like, that's not even the ongoing thing in this issue. No.
1: Now, after that, it's really Elizabeth stepping up as Captain Britain and asserting herself in Otherworld.
0: Yes. And, yeah. like, geopolitical intrigue with Merlin.
1: Yeah, that's not gonna end well
0: not for anybody probably maybe no. maybe for merlin
1: no i don't i don't think it's even going to end well for merlin you're probably right uh we do get uh we do get mr wisdom back though
0: we do uh and he finds some new friends some old friends he, he, yeah he makes some old new friends yes i love i feel like you don't get to use this as a plot device more than once but i love that we get it once the Nobody knew these characters were mutants but me. I need them revived. MoMA is like, you know, I believe Pete Wisdom would withhold that information for uh, he, uh, himself. He
1: absolutely would, yes.
0: And I like, again, I think it's a fun moment to play once, even if it is a convenient moment. Like, just because it's convenient doesn't mean it's not cool. Right, right. And maybe it feels convenient because it's earned, right? That. That is the other side of that coin. I have no clue who any of these characters are, and despite that, I'm like, yeah, cool, do it, Pete.
1: Yeah, exactly, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I do like, though? I do like the idea of uh, Gambit powering up a train to make <laughs> their escape.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, Teeny Howard, <laughs> just for the way that she is, like, giving Gambit new tricks, Yeah, needs, like, first dibs on Gambit forever now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's by far more interesting like this than pretty much ever before, yeah. Well,
0: and it's like, you read it, and it's like, well, duh, yeah, his power is charging things with kinetic energy. That can do more than explode. Yes. Like, we yeah. see him, Whitechapel shoots at him, and he, like, charges a bullet just in front of its his face to deflect it. He just redirects the kinetic energy in it. mm mm-hmm. Because um, anything in motion has kinetic energy. Correct. kinetic energy by definition is the energy of motion so i this is all,
1: i've always wondered this about Gambit. can he remove the kinetic energy from something as well
0: i think i f- i feel like the answer is no there okay. might be occasions in which like we've seen him charge something up and then pull that energy back out but i think even that's an exception because at least in my mind more often than not like if he charges something up and then like gets hit and drops it, it explodes at his feet and knocks him out of the way. I think once he puts that energy into something, he needs, like, Bishop there to siphon it back out.
1: Got it, got it. Yeah, I've been waiting for that mutant circuit at some point, is like, (laughs) that kind of thing, yeah.
0: I mean, we get, we get a, not with Gambit, but I think we get a version of that in X-Corp, right?
1: Yeah, we do. Like a little the bit.
0: energy manipulation in, in a very specific way. Uh this also ties back to New Mutants and their recent uh the, the recent trip that Magic and Danny Moonstar no not Danny Moonstar. Not Magic. No, it
1: was Danny and uh Sean. Danny and...
0: and Sean took to Avalon. Right. Uh the advantages of letting your writers talk to each other. <laughs>
1: Hmm. Amazing. Yeah, and we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get more of um, uh, kind of this this fallout of uh, the idea of of people starting to question or look into when we get. I think we get it a lot more in way of X. Um, this whole resurrection of mutants thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about way of X. Okay. Uh, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Bob Quinn, colors by Java Tartaglia, and letters by Clayton Cowles, with design by Tom Muller. Um, possibly favorite Legion ever in this book? I was about to say, I, it's not necessarily that I generally dislike Legion, it's that normally Legion feels written, I think, in a very specific way, Mm -hmm. that...
1: He's he's written as a plot device, not as a character.
0: He's written as a plot device, and he's written to, like, immediately be othered in a way. Like, to immediately mm-hmm. come across as threat, as different, as, you know, impossible to, like, exist in the world right? without being a danger to it. Which, I mean, okay, if you stop and think about the fact that Gorgon is running around, and as we see in this issue, could, like, wipe out everybody around him. Uh, oh, what's his name in Hellions? Peter?
1: Oh, yeah, Peter.
0: Peter is running around, and, yeah. like, all it takes for anyone, for, like, everyone in the world to die is for him to take off his hat, his helmet. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe to scale, Legion's not actually that much worse than either or some other mutants who are are, are out there and allowed to just Chill on Krakoa, right? Like yeah.
1: well, I think what I really like is how he's taken responsibility for his what a danger he is.
0: Yeah, he's got the Zorn brothers following him around ready to that, just like oh my take God, him just, out.
1: His com his whole conversation with Z- with Charles is just great.
0: It is. And I really like I really like how much Bob Quinn makes them look
1: alike. I feel like the, the Zorn or no, 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 Charles, mean, and, Charles and, and, and yeah. Legion. Yes.
0: I feel like they actually look like father and son here in a way that they don't always.
1: Yes, I would agree with that.
0: Uh I also love that like at one point things go super bad and Legion's like, "Nope. Uh Zorn Brothers, let's wipe everyone out. Call call the five. They're going to have some work to do."
1: Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, like literally the entire green lagoon just gets wiped out.
0: Yeah. Because like, if damn. anyone If anyone learns that Onslaught is, or if certain people learn that Onslaught is actively out, Onslaught will just attack. And one of those people is Charles. Legion won't tell him this, so Charles pulls it from his mind.
1: Yep. And then they all have to get killed.
0: Yeah. It's like, come on, Chuck. Stop being a colossal asshole.
1: Well, especially when Legion tells him, no, I can't tell you this specifically. You have to trust me. Yeah. He doesn't. The Helmet Brothers Strike Again.
0: The Helmet Brothers Strike Again. Uh, I do really dig this book. And,
1: and then we get and then we get uh uh Kurt defusing uh things through humor.
0: Yes. I, I love that
1: Kurt moment so much. I I love that, that Kurt defeats Fabian by slapsticking him, yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh we also get a new Krakoa gate yeah Legion decides well you know what we need some place that we can go that is free of Onslaught's influence so he implants one in the reality in his own brain
1: yeah which is where we went in the what was it the Path of X or the, the what was it called Uh, the, it was like a whole three month uh, uh side trip oh. between
0: yeah um, the one that I skip
1: <laughs> yes what was it the the path of x or the i know it wasn't way of x that's this yeah. book but um i can't remember what it was called now but yeah where it was x-man was yeah yeah in
0: there yeah. uh well i mean of course that goes all the way back to age of apocalypse right sure sure yeah uh i but don't that's know that's where everybody
1: got pulled was into that reality yeah. that's in his mind yes
0: i don't know that every Anyone has ever thought, you know, I need, I need to get away. Let me go hang out in Legion's brain. But uh these are desperate times, Missus Lovett, and desperate measures are called for.
1: Well, and what I love is that he calls it a temple.
0: <laughs> yes, because <laughs> he implants the seed in his temple. Y-
1: y- yes. Well, that and the whole idea of no, Kurt I founding fi- this religion that's not a religion.
0: I get it. I'm saying it's yes. an amazing pod. I,
1: oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yes all of the above that and you know the whole your body is a temple thing right? yeah it's like all of it fits it's so awful
0: i mean now i'm watching it called it wonderland but <laughs> nope x-corp number three changing the subject we have a main story here which is all but a double page spread uh at the end the matrix workflow Written by Teeny Howard, art by Valentin DeLandre, who I had forgotten was doing interiors for this and who I loved seeing on this book. Colors by Sonny Goh, letters by Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. Brian and I talked a little bit at length before we started recording about uh, our shared jealousy of Jamie Madrix's superpowers here.
1: Yeah, like, the more, I, the more we think through this, like, the more I'm convinced. Nope, yeah. No, of all of them, this is the superpower you really want to in the real world.
0: My, my go-to answer to the superpower question has always been, like, the speed force. Right. But this is at the very least a close second and may have overtaken the speed force, because I could get so much more done either way, but I could, like, retain knowledge better this way. I can literally be in multiple places at once, this way
1: well like i said and i think it's a better power for the real world right
0: well and you brought up a good point mm-hmm. about delegation
1: oh yeah yeah they, like uh, i mean just simple things like uh, you know there would always be a copy of me that was enrolled in a college somewhere learning more things right um the whole idea of you generate all these copies to go do various things. And Alex's response, I think was, I'm just imagining the Google calendar. I would have to create (laughs) to organize all of this. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah." but the brilliant thing is you don't have to explain how that calendar works to them because they're you, they already know how it works. Like that's what makes sense to them. Cause it makes sense to you. That's the, that's the true brilliance is it's, it's doing all of this kind of effortlessly. Like you don't have to explain or, or actually delegate once they know what what portion of everything that has to get done is theirs you can just trust them to go do it yeah just like you would or or i guess conversely <laughs> we did not talk about this or conversely know that they're probably not going to do it well because you wouldn't <laughs> like i don't really want to do this oh okay you know what? Yeah, I'm making another one and your whole job is to make sure that he does actually do that thing that none of us, <laughs> us want <would> to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, damn it, okay. Yeah. Um, I did not think of that before, but there is that.
0: <laughs> but that goes back to like my, my the flip side of this is I would yeah. still want people to collaborate with. I would still want other yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, brains and ideas and voices in the room because like I said at the top of this episode, yeah, nothing is as interesting to me when it's just my own voice as it is right. when there are others yeah. in the room.
1: I mean, talk about the ultimate echo chamber, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, but yeah, the and you know, clearly the key to all of that is the reabsorption and the 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 you know gathering of that of everything that everybody has learned or experienced back into yourself that you can then. Replicate out again.
0: Well, and we see in this issue that becomes kind of the 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 latest PR catastrophe for x-corp because Jamie does send out a a dupe to go watch his child take his first steps,
1: mm-hmm. spend time with his family,
0: and that dupe returns as there is a problem with the energy venting for this this energy project. Well it's really like a broadband communication product, but it involves a huge amount of energy and a mutant circuit that creates the energy. Mm-hmm. And like prime Jamie calls up, okay, whoever's closest go vent this, but you might be disintegrated. And the one who happens to be closest is the one who just returned. Right. Who never gets For- absorbed. So like Jamie is emotionally devastated and right. misses the launch. So they're, I will admit there are definitely downsides to this power set.
1: Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I can't help but think that the 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 positives outweigh the the, the other pieces yeah. of this, yeah.
0: Um, definitely helps with the whole FOMO thing. <laughs> uh meanwhile, Monet has a bad day. Yeah.
1: Although you know, on the whole, handles it fairly well.
0: Right up until she gets stuck with an experimental cure for mutant powers.
1: Yeah, that one. That that was the bad part. Yeah, yeah. I I meant that. I meant the initial um reaction. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I guess Monet is going to have to take her turn in the crucible, huh? Uh,
1: maybe we'll see we'll see yeah i do love i do love this uh, and i had thought of this at one point previously about this whole um you know the 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 mutants abis- ability to resurrect right mm-hmm. is it's not just death right it's also this constant you know marvel universe thing of a quote cure or a way to remove their powers yeah right it's like oh yeah we can take care of that too
0: and of course the first time we see it in the context of this sort of Quirkeauan era is it immediately like weaponized without any sort of content- consent? Right. Yes. Wow.
1: Yeah. They're they are just the worst.
0: Yeah, I mean they also hang out with literal Nazis. So well, yeah, you know, that is absolutely fair. Yeah, and
1: I I wasn't on last week to talk about it, but X Men number one, um, uh, real super super quick. I absolutely. loved, I loved how they portrayed that book and that team in that book specifically with this no the x-men are like regardless of how you feel about and politics and all this like the mutants this this team and a lot of the people specifically that are on it but like this team they're heroes they have saved the world the universe multiple times right and when a threat comes out and they're fighting it like it's not a oh my god look the mutants are blowing up New York. It's the Avengers and the Fantastic Four reaching out to them saying we're on our way to help. Um, you know, thanks and, for stepping up and doing like like everybody recognizes them as that.
0: I mean the the yeah. we're glad to have you back.
1: Yes, was yes.
0: yeah perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah I. I talked a lot last week about that book, so I will yeah. not go. Well, down the, the, hole the only, again, the it,
1: only, the only thing I'll add is I will say it did go through my head that they missed their opportunity, right? Where um, where where Ben Grimm said, "Okay, yeah, I've got some, you know, I've got something in the crock pot or whatever. I've got to go back and take care of it." And of course, that was the perfect opportunity for uh, I've got a dessert that's cooking and I got to go because it's, it's cobbler, cobbler in time. time. Yes, yeah.
0: right. I. Uh... I always want cobbler in time to happen. That's right,
1: Alex. T M T M T M. There you There it is. Uh, yeah, and then we get our uh, our Jamie Madricks. How how you infiltrate and run a multi pronged in, uh, in in insertion teams? Uh, if you're Jamie Madricks,
0: yeah. This this is called multiple sabotage. It was written, drawn, and colored by Jason Liu, with letters by Clayton Cowles. And it's it's a double page spread that kind of has like simultaneously sort of the energy of one of those old like Marvel handbook, Here is How a Building Is Laid Out Pages and a Family Circus strip.
1: I was gonna say, please tell me you're saying family circus with the dotted dash line. Yep. Yeah. Uh
0: yeah. it's almost like a flow chart of how these three teams run their different yeah. responsibilities and I can tell
1: you what it reminds me of more than anything else is the uh The Deadpool, Choose Your Own Adventure? You Are Deadpool?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Is it still good? We had Eve number three, the midpoint of this series. Uh, Not only is it still good, uh, we get some complications as there may be some amount of time travel involved in this book, too, that I had not expected. Seven Secrets number ten deals with the fallout of the the keeper's new leader learning all the secrets and a team going back into Switzerland to reclaim the lost secret that leveled the country. Batman, the detective number four, Brian
1: Uh yeah, so the police take Bruce in to question him about uh all of the murders that have been happening and um Turns out he made the right instinctual guess that he should have waited for champagne instead of the bubbly water.
0: <laughs> Batman Urban Legends number five. Uh, the Red Hood and Batman, well, less Batman and more just the Red Hood by himself, reminisces about solving his first Riddler riddle. The Batgirls solve one mystery and discover a bigger one as a result. Uh this also introduces a new character who's super cool and who I can't wait to see more of. Tim Drake uh, infiltrates an organization that uh, believes in pain and chaos, and that goes just great for him. And in Grifter, we learn what both Grifter and Matthew Rosenberg's long cons were, and I will not spoil that here. Mm-hmm. But it was fucking fantastic. Detective Comics, number 1039. We get the finale of The Neighborhood. Uh, in which we learn who is behind all of the parasitic eye thingies and all of the random attacks around town, as well as a backup called The Life and Times of Hugh Vile, which gives us that character's history, the the character behind all these attacks. Future State Gotham, number three, Brian. Yeah, so
1: uh, Peacekeeper Red and um, our new Batman uh, team up in Arkham to try to protect Astrid uh punchline makes her escape from Arkham and Harley is going to have no part of that.
0: The Joker number 5, Brian. Uh this is a
1: uh this is a a backstory like a, a an in the past story of kind of Jim's first reaction to the first time they catch the Joker. And it's it's kind of kind of a cool fascinating level thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. justice league last ride number three
1: brian uh where do you keep uh where do you keep lobo a prisoner on apocalypse when you want <laughs> be off the grid at desad's vacation house of course
0: because um, he'll have something to detain a prisoner yikes uh
1: and uh sounds like the rest of the universe is um not happy about that and coming for his head
0: Rorschach, number 10. All the pieces start to fit together, and now the question becomes, was the attempted assassination politically uh, assisted? Wonder Woman, number 775.
1: Ryan. Uh, Diana plays the riddle game with death to get all of the Greek gods back, and, um, well, except for one, and, gee, I can't imagine that ending poorly.
0: No. No. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to. I, mean, actually... I guess.
1: I guess I would say th- things won't get too chaotic, but you know, other than that,
0: I wanted to actually point something out in this issue, but it mm-hmm. wasn't. It's not a big enough thing to have kicked it to to talk about at length. Sure. Uh, when Diana and Deadman find themselves in the afterlife, and to talk, uh, they meet like the 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 groundskeeper who is working on a new grave. Did you? Did you catch whose the grave that is, Brian?
1: Um, I did notice uh it's it's H R O is the H
0: apostrophe RO specifically. Oh, okay. Kronmir. The Martian oh, god.
1: Right. Yes.
0: I think that that's teasing something with Hronmir.
1: Okay. Alright.
0: We also had Haha number six this week, the last chapter of this. Clown-themed miniseries, uh, which brings in the Ice Cream Man creative team to, or art team, to uh, maybe make some connections to that universe. We had the silver coin number four, which this time follows the coin to the future and uh, imagines its luck, question mark, as a virus that can infect computer systems carnage black white and blood number four uh gives us a story by ryan stegman joe bennett and mattia Yakano. uh that sort of picks up in in the future dealing with the uh version of dylan on earth 616 and that we saw in the venom beyond storyline meeting again uh, a story called skin deep about cletus cassidy in las vegas by declan Shelby and stephen mooney and finally a story called the end of humanity from ed brisson scott hepburn and andres Massa, about uh sort of a post-apocalyptic world where survivors are raiding old avengers hideouts for equipment and armor to keep them alive and one of them comes across the symbiote or the, the carnage symbiote in a test tube and opens it. Oops. Yeah, that's called fucking up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like reading the book.
0: I think this is actually worse. <laughs> Champions number eight, Ryan.
1: Uh, Kamala tries to deal with uh, posing as an intern at Roxxon. We get another example of why her parents are the best. So good. And uh, Viv Vision is now officially the um, uh, the counselor for the entire Champions team. Yes, <laughs> yes, because that was awesome.
0: <laughs> Go Empathy. Sinister War number one came out this week. Uh, this is very much picking up from the last issue of Spider Man issue number seventy. Uh, it is. Not only tie... I mean, it, this is this is the last start of, of Nick Spencer's run. This is tying up everything that's still loose, uh, including the Leo Williams' uh, Amazing Mary Jane series from a couple of years ago. Uh, it is big and bombastic and a lot of fun. Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow. Uh, what's the worst possible thing that could happen if you are Peter Parker and you've just shaken off the symbiote? it attaching to Reed Richards and coming up with a plot to infect the entire world.
1: That's pretty bad. That is, that is pretty bad.
0: And finally, ninjack number one, which, uh, we talked about with case a few weeks back. Uh, it came out this week. It is every bit as good now as it was a few weeks ago. Uh, it's an incredible book with amazing art. Uh, Javier Pulido is absolutely killing it. Jeff Parker is a solid writer uh always and uh yeah cannot cannot recommend this one enough maybe my favorite first issue of a uh, of a valiant all right this week's books we have just a couple like seven we have dark blood number one of six which is written by latoya morgan with art by walt barna colors by ahg and letters by andworld design This is set in 1955 about a black pilot who fought in World War II, discovering he has some kind of powers that the world around him does not want him to have. Because, you know, the racism of America, especially in the middle 20th century. And also still now. (laughs) Blue and Gold, number one of eight. Written by Dan Jurgens, art by Ryan Sook, letters by Rob Lee. Brian, this feels like one you should take the lead on.
1: Blue and gold, blue beetle and booster gold. Everything I want in a book. This is, this, I cannot wait. This is probably like for a, for a little dumb mini series. This is like what I'm most looking forward to. I, I cannot wait for this.
0: We also have Shazam number one of four. This is written by Tim Sheridan, art by Clayton Henry, colors by Marcelo Maiolo, and letters by Rob Lee. This is. Giving us a little extra focus on Shazam in the context of what's going on at Teen Titans Academy. And also, like, what's up with Billy Batson's powers? And I have to imagine uh, the future that we saw in Future State and maybe how that begins to happen. Superman and the Authority, number one of four written by grant Morrison art by Mikel Hanine colors by Jordy Belair and letters by question mark question mark question mark i mean it's
1: the it's right there in the title of the book superman and the authority by grant Morrison
0: yeah uh with art by Mikel Hanine and colors yeah. by Geordi Belair yeah, i mean yeah
1: i'm not neglecting that i'm just saying you know that's the
0: <laughs> wow there's no part of this that doesn't sweeten the pot
1: exactly
0: uh and if somehow that's still not enough for you, Brian, do you remember from solicitations who Superman teams up with to start the authority backup no. Manchester black? That's right. Yes, uh, And I've seen like some speculation online. That's like, yeah, I don't think too much about how this fits into continuity. Just think of it as its own thing. No, false. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in October solicitations, this will feed directly into Action Comics and Superman Son of Elf. Beautiful. The, the cover to Action Comics in October has the authority on it. I love it. Bermuda, number 104. This is written and lettered by John Lehman with art by Nick Bradshaw and colors by Lynn O'Grady. Uh, this, I think, will just be fun. Like, I dig John yeah. Lehman's creator Own Stuff. Uh, this is about. Kind of a young Tarzan esque girl who lives on this island full of dinosaurs and kind of kind of loves actually the life of of survival and adventure and all that jazz. And then some weird kid washes up on her shores and throws everything upside down. I love it. Uh, we have Mom, mother of madness, number one of three. This is written by Amelia Clark and Marguerite Bennett, with art by Layla Lays and colors by Triona Pharrell.
1: And yes, that uh, Amelia Clark. It's, it, yes, targ- uh, Daenerys. Yes, Mother of Dragons, be, uh,
0: breaker of chains, etc. Mother of
1: Dragons, writing Mother of Madness. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This. Uh, this is, I think, a three-issue series. This is going to be fun. Um, if I remember right, this is like a mother as assassin, right?
0: Uh, or with superpowers, I super think. Superpowers, right, yeah, yeah. doing assassin stuff.
1: Yeah, right. And yeah. then finally... I mean, this... Nothing... We're not excited about this one at all, either. There's,
0: Moon Knight number one. <laughs> Written by Jed McKay. Art by Alessandro Cappuccino. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by Corey Pettit. Love me some Moon Knight.
1: Let's get some Moon Knight going.
0: The preview art for This is Gorgeous. And... Everything I've read of Jed McKay's lately has really worked for me. I think he's got a great balance between like sense of humor and action superhero type stuff. Yeah, really, and, really looking forward to it.
1: And I, I obviously you do you can't overdo it, but I do think a Moon Knight book could use a a modicum of humor in it. Yes. Yes. I think it's very easy to not have that, and it be a little overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, to me, the ones that are always most successful, if they aren't, if even if Moon Knight's not outright funny in them, no, he's no, not he necessarily quipping. I mean, right. I think there's room for him to quip a little, depending on the personality who's in the driver's seat. Right. Um, But in that very, like, West Wing, Aaron Sorkin, you don't have drama without comedy for contrast way. Exactly, yeah. You yeah. need you need that texture. Agreed. And on that note, that is it for this that's week. It. 272 yeah. in the can. We would, as always, like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to CertainPOV.com. Uh, I believe this Friday, I think that's the timing of it, uh, I will be on another episode of j d s show Comics Quest, uh, I think specifically the the long haul side of it mm-hmm. talking about Donnie Cates's run on Doctor Strange, including damnation damnation tarnation yes uh it was a lot of fun to revisit that this week, and I definitely definitely didn't save a panel of dr Strange. In combat with uh, Loki and Scarlet Witch at his back, helping hold off demons with the the line "Damn it, Loki!" over his head. I, I definitely didn't save that for future. Wasn't years. that that good, Chris Bacalo art? Uh no, this was Rod Reiss. Chris Bacalo run, okay, was okay, the right, right, Jason Aaron run. That's right. That's right. Uh, right. Donnie Cates's run was Gabriel Walta for the Loki Sorcerer Supreme arc. And then Rod Reese, I believe, drew Damnation. Right. Yep. Uh, I think there was another artist in there somewhere because Damnation was a miniseries and issues mm-hmm. of Doctor Strange. Um, it is the run, however, that gave us the double page spread of Spider Man talking to a spider via magic. <laughs> uh, anyway, go check that out. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Recorded that last night. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, get merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital P capital M. Or send us questions, comments, or whatever at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P capital M. I'm Alex.
1: And I am Brian. Go read comics. <music>
0: POV.com.